Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters with another exciting episode of Asheville Food Fans. It's a podcast that I record throughout the week and then I put it together for broadcast on WPVM 103.7 FM, the voice of Asheville, broadcasting to the world. Alrighty, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Food Fan Show. I've got a good one lined up for you this week with an interview that I did uh, with a chef from way up there in Ontario, Canada. I promised you this one. She represents a quail farm up there, and also she does a lot of interesting stuff herself. So stay tuned for that interview. And I'll have some reviews of some food at the end of the show. But before we get to that, let me first of all remind you that Tubby is coming to Asheville. He will be here. Tubby, the unhinged mascot of Duke's Mayonnaise, is coming to visit us here in Asheville for no other reason than we asked him to. And Duke's heard our request. So they're sending Tubby to come here and meet and greet all the people of Asheville. He's going to meet city council. He's going to get a key to the city that was made by artist zen sutherland he's gonna do a little yoga gonna get a tattoo he might even grow a beard we'll see how many things we can pack into two hours that's all we have them for folks we're sort of a layover on tubby's whirlwind uh hot tomato summer tour that he's doing and you can look that up hot tomato summer duke's mayonnaise get all the info you want about that but he's coming here he'll be here next thursday August 3rd from 9 a.m. till 11 a.m. in Pack Park, Pack Square. You know what I'm talking about. He'll be on the stage in front of City Hall and uh, County Courthouse unless it's too hot. And then we'll take him over to Twisted Laurel. And Twisted Laurel's right next to Pack Park. And by the way, Twisted Laurel will be offering um, special fare that day. So stick around after the, after the meet and greet and have some food downtown featuring Duke's mayonnaise. The Hop is also making an ice cream. Now, wait for this one. They're making an ice cream with Duke's mayonnaise. And before you throw up on your keyboard, uh, it's the Duke's is not like stirred into the ice cream and it's not a mayonnaise-based ice cream. Like, it's not mayonnaise-flavored. They make a chocolate cake that has dukes in the recipe which is pretty common you can make a wonderful very moist chocolate cake using mayonnaise especially dukes which has more egg yolks in it and uh you make a wonderful chocolate cake and then the the hop is going to crumble that cake throughout the ice cream and also there will be a ribbon of chocolate frosting in the ice cream that will have some dukes in the uh recipe as well so come get some dukes ice cream and what the twisted laurel is going to serve up i think that it's going to be tomato sandwiches because of this red hot tomato summer thing that tubby is doing and uh it should be a good time you know just something silly for the folks uh later on in the messages section of the show i will tell you some of the negative reaction that people have had to tubby coming to town which is kind of sad slash hilarious to me but uh before we get on with any of that. I want to talk about some tinned fish, tinned fish. 
Um, I'm or fish in a can, like think of a can of tuna and then think of any kind of fish plus various sauces and put it in a can. And this is what's happening in the rest of the world, not so much here in America, although it is taking off and catching on. And here in Asheville, there are uh, at least three places I know downtown that are starting to sort of specialize in having this tinned fish. Uh, there's Gourmand in the S&W building. There's La Bodega on um, South Lexington Avenue. And then the one that has the most, as far as I know, is Botanist and Barrel on Broadway. And Botanist and Barrel is a really fun, really nice tasting room for the hard cider that they make, as well as other all-natural wines. And go go try the wine and the hard cider for yourself. As mentioned, it's all natural, and that means that it tends to be on the dry side rather than the sweet side. So if you like dry wines, head on down there. They've got charcuterie and stuff like that. And you can make yourself a little tinned fish plate by ordering some of the can by buying some of the cans and they'll set up a little plate for you. But any hoodles, I've been eating my way through these tinned fish options at Botanist and Barrel. And I had a really good one lately that I just want to tell you about. It's from a company with a weird name. It's called Fish Wife. And then there's a lightning bolt. And then there's the words fly by Jing, J-I-N-G. Jing, fly by Jing. So as far as I can tell, the name of the company is Fish Fishwife Lightning Bolt Fly by Jing. And uh very flashy packaging, a couple of different flavors that they have at Botanist and Barrel. And the one I tried recently was the smoked salmon, which is raised in Norway, by the way, in Szechuan chili crisp. And chili crisp is the sauce. I'm not sure where the word crisp comes from because I'm telling you right now there was no crispness in the sauce. It was a chili sauce. Uh, the salmon was chunks, uh, several pieces with the skin on. The skin was very edible. I ate everything in the can. I did not like spend any time trying to get the skin off. If fish is done right, some fish, not all fish, but if, it, if it's done right, you can eat the skin. Uh, and this was done perfectly. So I cook with this stuff. I don't just like mix in some dukes, for example, and make a sandwich out of this tin fish. I cook with it. So I made a, I put a bed of lettuce, a bed of arugula on a plate, and then I made some pasta, and I put the hot pasta on top of the arugula. I warmed up the salmon, and I put that on top of the pasta, and then I took the can of chili crisp oil or whatever you want to call it, and I put it in a saucepan with some half and half and some flour. And I made a nice roux or a nice little cream sauce with it. Super delicious. I poured that over the whole thing. Boom, ate it. Fantastically delicious. So give it a try, folks. Try these tinned fish, everything from razor clams, which I did not like, to tinned lobster, which was the first one I ate. And I love it. I've now gone through like four cans of this tinned lobster. And uh, so head on down to Botanist and Barrel or the two other places I mentioned, Gourmand and the S&W, La Bodega in South Lexington, or anywhere you're starting to see these bright, colorful boxes that have, they're usually boxes that have the can inside of them of the tinned fish, usually going to be imported from Europe, from places like Portugal and Spain. You'll find a lot of like shellfish, like tinned mussels and scallops and such. And then from Norway and Scandinavia, 
you're in Scotland area, you're going to find salmon and other finned fish, mackerel and stuff like that. And of course, we do find some from Canada, Nova Scotia. I think the lobster comes from Nova Scotia and the Pacific Northwest there. And we'll see if we start to find some tinned seafood from the Carolina coastline, find its way up to Asheville because oysters are really good in a tin and uh, smoked oysters especially. So hopefully we'll start to see some of our beautiful uh, Carolina coastline oysters show up in tins for us. There are over 700 different varieties of this tinned fish, and I can't wait to eat all 700. All right, folks, that's that for that. Now let's get on to the rest of the show. Hey, everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters with another exciting guest. I know I say all my guests are exciting, but boy, howdy, I am personally very excited about this guest. She is zooming in all the way from Ontario, Canada. This is my first international guest, and her name is Chef Andrea Monzoni, and she is here to represent herself on the show, but also to talk to us about quail eggs. I found out about Chef Andrea from a quail farm up there in Canada and Ontario called Spring Creek Quail Farms. They sent me some eggs. I've been cooking with them. Some of you have seen my posts on Facebook. And now I'm so happy and so pleased to have Chef Andrea with me. Hey, Chef, how are you today? Good. Thank you. I'm honored to be on the show. Oh, thank <laughs> and you. As a first international chef. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. You even have a, a wonderful international accent and everything. That's exciting. <laughs> Very exciting. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's let's do this. Let's talk about your background, how you got to working with Spring Creek, and some other very interesting aspects of your life as a chef and an artist. So let's start with your background. You you're trained in the French cuisine. Can you tell me about your schooling and some of your earlier experiences in the cooking world? Yes, yeah, so I started off, um, I went to culinary school in Stratford, Ontario. It was a Stratford Chef School, a two-year program where we learned traditional French cuisine, all the basics. We, in first year, you are, um, you learn the basics. So you learn boiling, baking. It's every week is very, it's dedicated to different technique in cooking. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. You learn so much. And then in second year, you are positioned around the kitchen. So one day you're the head chef, one day you're the sommelier, one day you're, so you work front of house, back of house as well. Um, you're the pastry chef, you do everything in the kitchen. So you learn to work in a restaurant and to eventually manage a restaurant as well. It's like, it's their goal so that you can run your own mm -hmm. restaurant or own your own restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, and then between years, you get to work in different restaurants. So by the end of the two years that you're at school, you get to write your red seal and then you're good to work wherever you want, which is really nice. <laughs> Absolutely, work wherever you want. Can you? I, I don't know that I'm familiar with the term red seal. Can you? Can you define yes. that for us? So the red seal, it's a test that you take. Um, you need a certain amount of hours in the in a restaurant, um, and a certain amount of schooling as well. Mm -hmm. And once you write the exam, you can work. It's basically, it shows restaurants or if you want to work in a cruise ship or if you want to work in a hotel it shows that you have the basic understandings of working in the in a restaurant all like the um 
cooking temperatures for chicken or how to make um, a lasagna. It's just very basic stuff, but very you need to know this information, right? <laughs> or else, or like the the bedrock, <laughs> like the foundation exactly. of your education. You need to yes. write it all up and prove that you know it, basically. Exactly. 100%. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And so, as you said, once you've got that all under your belt, you're out there in the world, were you really able to sort of pick and choose where you wanted to work? Or was it hard to find a, a job? Or how'd that go? Was, um, I was lucky enough to uh, find jobs <laughs> when I applied. Um, actually, it was really... Uh, a lot of fun because between first year and second year, I worked in um, uh, a fine dining restaurant in Stratford, where the school was first. It was based out of those. It was based out of two restaurants, and one of the restaurants I worked in during that summer, and I learned so much in that restaurant. Actually, that was my first encounter with quail eggs. It oh. was um, I worked there as garde manger, and one of the appetizers was uh, seared quail with deviled quail eggs. Mm. Actually. <laughs> Okay. It was amazing. And I loved it. I'm like, what is this little egg? Right. Um, and after that, um, I got the chance to work in Italy for a month as well in a villa, <laughs> wow. which was an incredible experience. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Learned so much about Italian cuisine, the traditional Italian foods, how to make pasta, how to, um, it was a vineyard as well. So we, I got to try the, the wine from the vineyard. Um, it was close to Florence. So in the evenings, we would drive down and get gelato. <laughs> wow. What a, that's like a, it's like a perfect kind of experience. It's, it was, it was a dream. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, wow. Yeah. Your, your career's off to a great start straight out of school. And I, yeah. I had to look up the term garde manger, manger. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah, and you are. <laughs> that, that means pantry chef. So mm-hmm. that means the person in charge of the cold foods. And so you were That's there right. with your little quail, deviled quail eggs as a <laughs> as a cold food item. And yes. Um, <laughs> and so let's, I, you know, am I am I correct in thinking that when you go to culinary school, there's a whole section that's just about eggs and how to cook eggs, or maybe every um, school is different. <laughs> It might be different. I didn't get that experience or okay. in my schooling. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll just edit that part out of the show. I'm kidding. Um, I don't have those kinds of editing skills. But um, so, but let's move on. So you're you're working, you're in Italy, and you mm-hmm. you come back to Canada at some point. And what was mm-hmm. what what brought you back to your homeland? Uh, I just, I missed the family being close to home. So I just came back home. Um, I started working in a French bakery or a, a French um, pastry shop uh-huh. where we learned how to make croissants, macarons, like all the classic French pastries. I love pastry. Pastry is, it is my home, my place, my safe space. <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk um, about that because yeah, your pastries. Wow. I saw them. Everybody should follow you on Instagram. What's your, what's your tag on Instagram? It is Andrea Monzoni. Okay, that's name. easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, wow, beautiful, beautiful pastries. Like, Thank you. I, I'm huge into pastries too, like eating them, not making them. Making yeah. them seems very <laughs> difficult to me, but I am grateful there are people in the world like you who enjoy making them. And I encourage everybody to follow you and also to follow you on TikTok, which you, you seem very active on. Um, 
But let's get to that a little bit later because you eventually ended up working with uh, Spring Creek Quail Farms and uh, we're here to talk about quail eggs, chef. Yes. Let's let's do it. <laughs> like what what's what's the what's the pitch? Why why quail eggs? So quail eggs, they are more sustainable in the way that they are I guess, raised Mm -hmm. because they're so small, they require less space. Um, They can roam freely. So they are free range, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, And they also don't need as much food or water as chickens do. So they produce less waste, which means fewer greenhouse gas emissions and smaller carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. So just from the start, everything about it is incredible already. Um, And they have a longer shelf life than chicken eggs, which is also incredible less food waste, right? In production mm-hmm. and distribution process. Yes. Um, yeah, they're not given any, and then in Spring Creek in particular, they, they don't give them hormones or antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they are, I think, a superfood. It's one gram of protein, one gram of fat, and zero carbs per one egg. And they have one third more of uh, vitamin B12 than chicken eggs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so from the, yeah, they're just a perfect a perfect egg yeah <laughs> perfect little vessel for nutrition now yeah. <laughs> um you did a great job of reading all of the uh farm talking points because i read those too yeah. and um yeah the the b12 is a big deal the mm-hmm. just just everything about them seems great and the sustainability part seems mostly based on the size of the of the mm-hmm. quail and one thing about you guys's website is the pictures like these quail are so dang cute like they are so cute oh my god they're very small like they're you can fit one in the palm of your hand they're incredibly tiny i actually i um i was able to visit the farm last week and i got to see the little the little baby quails and they're they're tiny they're the size of my uh, half my thumb (laughs) oh my god yeah there were pictures of baby ones online too and (laughs) insanely cute and so and the quail egg is real small compared to a chicken egg but it's actually real big compared to a quail Uh, you are right yeah Yeah. i actually never thought about that yeah it's a pretty big egg to come out of that little animal um yeah and and i understand they lay one egg a day that's Mm -hmm. that's wild they produce a lot of (laughs) eggs and you guys sell them by like the 18 pack as well as the 15 pack so you, you get a lot of quail eggs and I know that one of your jobs at the quail farm is to develop recipes. What are some of your favorite? I mean, you don't have to give me a recipe right yeah. now, but what yeah. are some of your favorite, <laughs> favorite ways to prepare quail eggs? I think the my favorite of all time is actually putting them in salads. It's very simple, but okay. it's also you get the most flavor out of the quail egg, um, especially when they're cooked um, like a jammy quail egg. So just cooked two and a half minutes in boiling water and they are the perfect runniness and um, they're just so rich. And let's say this one salad in particular is my favorite. It's a fennel salad with grapefruit and shaved parm and then the jammy quail eggs. Wow. And it's just, it's refreshing. It's light and the quail eggs just add that perfect richness to it. They are very rich. Uh, they're they're great. Yeah. Like I've been cooking them at home. I've just been basically just... I've been making these little tiny pancakes. <laughs> oh, I love making that. <laughs> little pancakes and eggs for breakfast. It just but I I'm really into cute things. And so I really like cute food and I've been making myself cute breakfast. But um they are very rich. They're very flavorful. They're mm-hmm. delicious. 
I have boiled a couple, and this is one of the selling points on the quail eggs, in my opinion. Two minutes to make them jammy, four minutes to make them hard. Like, that's a quick boil for an egg. It is. And, um, oh, another thing about them is they come with a special opener. I didn't know that. Like the little scissors, you know what I mean? Oh, I did not know that. Oh my God! All exciting! I'm telling something to the quail egg (laughs) chef. (laughs) They they sent me this odd pair of scissors that I had no idea what it was. I had to. I had a feeling that it was a quail egg opener, and so I looked that up on YouTube. And sure enough, there's some guy opening quail eggs with this thing. It's basically a pair of scissors with a, a round, like a O shape that you put the top of the egg into. And then there's this like sort of triangular thing that stabs into it and peels the top right off. That is very practical. I normally use just a knife and stab the top and then just open the the top of the quail egg. Oh, well, that's chef. We just got to the, we got to the root of the issue. You're a chef and you can do that (laughs) with a knife. Whereas I'd be cutting the tip of my thumb off every time I tried that. So I'm glad that somebody invented an idiot proof quail egg opener. That's amazing. Um, That's so practical. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look it up online. It's pretty cool. And the thing is, and the reason you're using a knife and I'm using an opener rather than cracking them on the side of the counter is because they are so tiny, but they have a very tough membrane underneath the Mm -hmm. shell. So they're hard to crack. Yes, they do. If you do try to crack, I once tried to crack them <laughs> like that, like a regular egg, uh-huh. and it did explode on me. It just, whoo, yeah, yeah, everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the pressure inside would just, yeah. Yes. So definitely use a knife or a sharp tool to open them. <laughs> well, I'm going to look up this knife technique online, but yeah, check out the scissors that the that the um, chick quail farm sent me. Um, yeah, so that's exciting. It is exciting. So I'm (laughs) encouraging everybody that I know to try quail eggs. And they're certainly in the restaurants around town. In Mm -hmm. fact, um, there's a restaurant in town, very well-known place called Nang Juniors. And at Nang's, they they served me recently some boiled, battered, and deep-fried quail eggs that were so delicious, like one pop in your mouth. They came, Nang's Mm -hmm. is a a, uh, Filipino restaurant, so it came with some fish sauce. And they're so good. So uh, that I noticed that you guys even sell packages of pre-boiled quail eggs. So boiled, they're really good. Yeah, especially they're a great snack too, right? You just in the fridge, just pop one and just eat it. It's a great source of protein and will keep you full during your, or if you're feeling snackish, right? You Mm -hmm. just grab and eat it and it's great. And you mentioned that you like them boiled on a salad. And Mm -hmm. um, they, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, you no go baking ahead. with them as well. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, because obviously there are lots of chicken eggs. It's a three to one normally mm-hmm. when you bake with them or cook with them. Um, I did find when uh, I am baking, I add one extra egg because they are so small and because they have the egg yolk to egg white ratio is a lot larger than a regular egg. Okay. Uh, the egg white adds more um, moisture to whatever you're baking. So you want to add one more or more liquid to it because just to make up for that lost um, moisture liquid in the baking process. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it must make your baked goods much richer with that yolk to white ratio. Yeah, definitely. It makes everything so much better. <laughs> so flavorful. Yes. Oh, I love them. <laughs> Have you ever made a, a quail egg mayonnaise or aioli like from scratch? I bet that would be very rich haven't. and delicious. That would be incredible. Yes. 
Well, I, yeah, that's I the, hope that's it the next thing to make. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I noticed you have dozens and dozens of recipes on the on the website for the quail farm. Uh, are, are they all your recipes? Uh, for the most part, yes. Wow. Yes. I started with them uh, two years ago and have been developing recipes with them for different seasons, which is really fun. So it's like three for fall, three for winter, summer, spring. That's great. Yeah, I was I was surprised and happy to see so many different recipes and beautiful pictures. And let, let's talk about your TikTok presence because, yeah, it's incredible. I noticed you've got uh, over 16,000 followers on TikTok. Some of your videos have reached have 5,000 views or more. Um, and I love the look of your TikTok videos and you're making things. And I watched one where you made a croissant with some edible flowers in it. How, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how long have you been doing um, TikTok? You a big fan? Uh, I am a fan. I It's a very creative space, which I love. You can get so much inspiration from other creators on there and it really motivates um, the creativity part of me personally and I just get so inspired I'm like okay I want to create more I want to do more um so I started TikTok I actually during COVID <laughs> during 2020 when we were all during yeah. lockdown <laughs> yeah yeah um that's where I actually started all my recipe videos and that's how I got contacted by Spring Creek as well okay. because they saw my videos and like hey would you want to work with us as well to create some recipes for the quail eggs and like of course yeah. um but it's definitely I have definitely changed in the way that I do the process, the, the photography, the filming over the past two years, which is absolutely incredible <laughs> and so much yeah. fun to see how much it's changed. Um, but yeah, I just, I thought it'd be fun to share recipes online with others and people love food. And during COVID and lockdown, it was, people were baking so much too, right? So mm -hmm. it was, I want to let's share recipes and create this community as well. Well, that's great. I mean, I, I love that. So you, you haven't even been at it all that long on TikTok. Like COVID just happened a couple of years ago. So your following yeah. grew really fast. And mm -hmm. uh, there's there's no doubt about why. The baked goods look good, look great. You're very entertaining and fun to watch when you make the stuff. And the, the videos have a great look to them. But let's talk about TikTok a little bit because it's kind of on thin ice here in the United States. It just got banned outright in the state of Montana. If you're if you have an app store and you sell or you uh, offer TikTok, you can be fined ten thousand dollars a day just for offering wow. TikTok to people. Um, and there's complicated international re political reasons for that that it's owned by a Chinese company and all of that mm -hmm. stuff. And I did notice that in Canada, it is banned from government phones like if you work for the government and you've got an official phone you can't have tiktok on there mm -hmm. does does this worry you with such a big following and do you have a backup plan just in case tiktok is banned outright i think being active on other socials is the best solution to all this okay you have a backup plan right you have somewhere to fall on as well so i'm more active on instagram recently more than tiktok okay. um I post on YouTube as well. Every time I have a video on Instagram, I repost that on YouTube. Um, the new 
uh, Threads app as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> stay stay up on all the the new socials. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's interesting. I I myself haven't signed up for Threads yet, but do do mm-hmm. you find it to be a useful social media tool for a chef? Uh, right now, it's. What they're calling it, it's the old Instagrams. So people are showing more images. And so it's very visual again. Um, okay. They're also comparing it to Twitter, but it's, it's, I think it's a bit different than the way Twitter is. Um, the app is. It's not as, obviously it's brand new. So people are not as, they're not interacting as much on it. It's mm-hmm. um, slowly getting better. There's still so many updates they need to do, I'm sure. Okay. Um, but it's, I think it's just to be on there for now as it's starting and growing, I think it's mm-hmm. a great opportunity for people, other creators to just start getting known because it's not as saturated as other platforms. Mm. Good point. Good point. Mm-hmm. It's a opportunity to be a big fish in a small pond. Exactly. I thought yeah. about that. I'm going to get on threads <laughs> as soon as this interview is over. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, for people who like, this is going out on the radio and as a podcast. So people who can't see the two of us, we're looking at each other in a Zoom meeting right now. But there, there's a age gap between the two of us. And I'm squarely like Mr. Facebook. Like I mm-hmm. love Facebook and I have a huge following for me on Facebook. It ain't no 16,000 people, chef, but it's pretty good. <laughs> and, uh, and I, and so then. I, I, I myself have not fully embraced TikTok yet. And partly it's because I don't want to embrace it just to see it go poof, you know? That's um, right. <laughs> but as a younger person yourself, are you finding that Instagram and are you finding that threads appeals to you? Like uh, as a younger person, or is it just like, oh gosh, it's just Facebook? <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, when threats came out, I was like, "Oh, not another app!" I am, <laughs> I am so over all these apps, just mm-hmm. having to manage them all. Um, but because I don't, there's just so many people are always looking for the next best, best thing. You have to be on top of everything and be known. Like if you do want to continue, like if you do want a career or want to be known in the social media environment, you do mm-hmm. have to keep up with all the updates and all the the new apps and. It is, I think it is exhausting. It does get mm-hmm. exhausting at some point. Um, but I, yeah, in learning to embrace it, learning to embrace change as well. I was very, <laughs> it was Good very point. hard to be like, oh my gosh, a new app. I'd like, I'd have to learn it again. And mm-hmm. it's just, it takes so much time and effort to stay on top of everything. But yeah. I think it's the only way to to get ahead and to be known in in this time and age. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's one of the ways yeah. to remain viable in your community as well as the world at large. And yeah, I feel the same way. Like I, I, I learned MySpace and Friendster back in the day, man. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm deep into learning new apps. And so that's part of why I haven't jumped on threads. Yeah. Um, I did drop Twitter and immediately jumped on post and a couple and, and tribal and then totally lost interest in both of those. So that's, keeping me from threads but it's actually inspiring to hear a younger person because i i need to stay viable with the younger generation with my writing and stuff and i know that facebook isn't as popular so uh, i'm looking Mm -hmm. for alternatives and it's inspiring to hear that you're enjoying threads yeah it's great um i think well have you tried instagram reels i feel like that's the way to go i feel you can get very you get a lot of exposure there People are always on reels too. It's because it's like, it's very similar to TikTok, right? And people enjoy seeing the short videos or 
the, I, I can see a lot of people um, watching them and commenting and it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Everybody's always telling me you got to do more reels, Stu. I'm yeah. like a mm-hmm. thousand years old. I like still pictures and it's to my total <laughs> detriment on uh, social media. Um, now let's talk about a whole nother side of your career and your personality and what you do for uh, to get through this life. Uh, you do something called petite paintings and they are little tiny paintings of food. They look like watercolors to me. And they're so cute and so just totally great, well done, well executed, beautiful little paintings. Can you tell us how long you've been doing those and what the story is behind these petite paintings? Yes, of course. Oh, I love it. So it is watercolor, you're right. Um, and I've actually, I grew up painting. My Both my parents are artists. So I grew up in that artistic world. I grew up drawing, painting with acrylic, watercolor, everything. Um, and then... Um, during chef school, actually, in my last year, I decided to make everybody in my class a small painting of their favorite fruit or vegetable. <laughs> and that's where actually where it all started. I never started, I never painted that small before until that day. Mm. And we were like, oh my goodness, these are so good. You should sell them. And since then, I, in 20, was it 2019, I um, opened my petite painting shop and uh everything was inspired by food. It was pastries or vegetables or hamburgers, tacos. It's all, my love for food is in the paintings. <laughs> it sure um, is. Yeah, it's it's so much fun. And recently making more landscapes as well. So it's combining my love for food, adventure, and painting all together, all in one. Well, they're super cute. They're super affordable too. I looked at some of your yeah. prices. And, um <laughs> There, and and let's talk about the relation of art and food, especially I feel like pastry. I mean, there's mm-hmm. some savory dishes that get plated just impeccably and totally artistic. But I feel like in everyday pastries, like the day-to-day pastry world is a very artistic world. Do you find yourself like, well, let me be more specific. I found that your pastries were very precise and your art was very sort of loose in a way because it's mm-hmm. watercolor. And do you find that there are two different practices, like the precision you bring to the pastries and the sort of, do you have more fun painting? How does it work out for you? I have, oh, I I love them both equally so much. I feel like when I'm not, when I have that, you know, writer writer's block, it's that artist block, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I go and bake something. I do my pastries and it's a different art form. So Mm -hmm. I still get my creativity out. um, And then while I get my inspiration for my paintings. So sometimes I do make the pastries and then I paint what I make. There you (laughs) go. A a fun little, (laughs) bring them two together. Um, But yeah, I, that's why I think that's why I love pastry so much because it is another art form. It's another way to be creative and it's also very precise. And Mm -hmm. you can, when you're decorating it at the end, you can just, be you you can decorate however you want with the piping bag you know you can add so many other elements to it just like in watercolor yeah the Mm -hmm. the relatability between your cute little paintings your cute cute pastries and then working with these super cute birds that make these cute little eggs i mean (laughs) it seems like that's a thread in your career and your life (laughs) Would, would that be a fair assessment I think so. Yes. Yeah. Everything's just small. It just makes its way back to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. 
Well, um, I want to make sure that everybody knows where to find you on all of these platforms. Is it just mm-hmm. Chef Andrea Manzoni will get everything in Google? Yeah, Andrea Manzoni is will get you on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, okay. everything. <laughs> and I yes. really very much encourage anybody who's listening to this to follow Chef. Uh, her social media game is on point. Her pastries are beautiful. I, I wish I could eat your pastries, but they're way up there in Ontario. <laughs> One day, and, who knows? <laughs> oh, Chef, now you've given me a reason to live. Um <laughs> The, uh, so and and thank you for coming on and representing the quail farm. Is a is there any last little tidbits you want to share with the audience about quail eggs yourself? Egg eggflation. Were you guys rocked by eggflation up there in Canada? Uh, we were definitely. We definitely were. Um, the nice about Spring Creek, they have made a way to make the quail eggs available and affordable for the community. So they worked with the different retailers to make sure that the prices didn't change that much and people were able to afford them still, which is incredible. So another reason to buy quail eggs. There we go. <laughs> the quail egg chef. Um, well, Chef Andrea, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Um, and I, I have family up in Canada, up in Nova Scotia. So I, I have a real oh, fondness man, for the Canadian people. And uh, it's been great to have you on and been great to eat the eggs from the quail farm. They're very delicious. Oh. Yes, thank you so much. It's been an honor to be here. And if you are looking for quail eggs, uh, Costco does sell them. You can find them at um, H Mart, Market Basket, Whole Foods, um, or just look at your your location online at springcreekquail.com, and it will tell you what store near you sells quail eggs. (laughs) Thank you. That was maybe the most important piece of information that you Mm -hmm. could have given us at the end of the show. So. (laughs) That was fantastic. And we've got many of those stores right here in Asheville. So people can look for the Spring Creek quail eggs in a store near them. And once again, Chef, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. (laughs) Bye. And now I want to do another segment of messages from the eaters. Now, I get messages in all forms, from text messages and emails to DMs through my social media, as well as just comments on my social media posts. And today, I'm going to read and address some of those comments on my social media posts, and in particular, my posts about Tubby, the unhinged mascot of Duke's Mayonnaise coming here to Asheville, North Carolina. That is happening on Thursday, August 3rd, from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. in Pack Square. It's just something we're doing for fun, for no other reason than that we want to. I, myself, am a huge fan of mascots. I saw Tubby online. He's hilarious. He's a giant tub of mayonnaise with crazy eyes and big eyebrows. And I said to myself, I'm going to get that guy to come to Asheville. And because I have made good relationships along the way. I was somehow connected to the people at Duke's Mayonnaise. And they said, yeah, that sounds wild and crazy. And they are currently taking Tubby on what is called their uh, hot tomato summer, I think, or maybe red hot tomato summer. And so he's on a tour and I think we're on his route. So he's stopping to Asheville briefly. We have him for a very brief amount of time. We're going to give him a spatula shaped key to the city. 
I've got, I would say, 80% of city council coming, showing up to uh, to do that, to give him the key. And the key was, by the way, designed and fabricated by none other than Zen Sutherland, a very well-known and well-loved artist and just personality here in Asheville. He has his image painted in one of those beautiful mur murals over there in uh, West Asheville. So a lot of people might be familiar with Zen's face, even if they don't know him personally. Anyhow, Zen made the key. City Council's going to be there. I'm going to be there, of course. There's a little bit of swag to give away. Not a lot, so don't come storming me for swag. And um, there's it's just for fun. That's it, period. No other reason. Just he's, Tubby's going to be here. You get your picture taken with Tubby, and that's that. So anyhow, I've been kind of pushing it on social media, of course, because I do want people to show up. So please show up. I know it's a little early, 9 a.m. on a Thursday. But if you work downtown, maybe you can make that happen. Uh, so anyways, here are some of the comments that I've gotten on the post that I've made about Tubby coming to Asheville. And before I read them, I just want to say that the vast majority of the response I've gotten has been overwhelmingly positive. Like people are pumped. People are psyched uh, just because people recognize that it's silly and fun and people like that. Um, and so most of the comments have been great. These ha are not great. And I'm not sure what compels people <laughs> to post un like negative comments on something so over like just basically positive. So anyways, one person wrote, uh, and these are brief, this can't be what people think is quote fun. And then like sort of a pukey face or an unhappy face of some kind. Um, and, I, you know, it obviously is what some people think are, is fun. And I guess you don't. Uh, okay, that's point made. Point taken, point made. This person cannot believe that a giant unhinged tub of mayonnaise coming to our town for no reason than to other receive a spatula-shaped key and meet city council and get his picture taken. That's not fun, according to this person. So... That's fine. Don't, don't, you don't, it's not required. Do not show up. And in fact, that would be the basic answer to all of these. It's not required to show up, Asheville. It is uh, optional for you to come to this non event. It's not even really event, an event. Tubby's just going to be there. And uh, so, yeah, you're all off the hook. If you don't think it's fun, don't show up. The next person writes, I'm sorry, but not sorry. Not sure why y'all, why y'all all, love the gmo soybean oil of dukes sad face why y'all all love shouldn't that be all y'all i'm not sure why y'all all love the gmo gmo soybean oil of dukes just you know bummer that i mean who cares gmo like oh my god it's it's horrible i know and i i was a hippie for a long time i mostly eat organic food occasionally a GMO soybean is going to sink into my system. I, I, I'm going to say like I eat maybe, I don't know, one or two tub, small tubs of mayonnaise a year. Kill me over it. I'm killing myself with these GMO soybean oil. And that's my right. It's my right to eat GMO soybean oil. Like, oh, my God, person, loosen the F up, you know? 
it's not not everybody thinks exactly like you and this is a message for everybody out there including myself i have to remind myself of this all the time not everybody thinks exactly like you not everybody has the same dietary makes all the same dietary decisions you do and that's not a reason to try to chastise or shame people or to make a weird negative comment out of con like completely inappropriately right there on the fun post the thread that's fun all right and and also this person is a chef by the way and chef if you're hearing this i have supported you in the past i've eaten at your restaurant and i will continue to go to your restaurant and support your efforts even though you chose to take a tiny little poop on my efforts just a little tiny cat poop on my efforts Anywho, next one, somebody writes, and this is weird. A lot of people actually, a lot of the negative comments are kind of in this vein. Somebody writes, nah, I want the Hellman's mascot laughing till I'm crying emoji. And I'm not sure if this was just like an intentional troll or if this person is like a huge Hellman's fan, but it of the negative comments, and again, they make a small percentage of the comments in total, of the negative comments, this sort of like, no, I prefer Hellman's or like, give me some Hellman's. It, it shows up quite a bit. And here's what I'm going to just say about that. It's fine. Eat Hellman's. But that, it's weird to me that you're like so brand loyal about Hellman's because Dukes, for one thing, Dukes has a real sense of humor. If you go to their page, if it's very funny. The people who work, it, it's not a big company. The people who work there, I uh, really care about the product. It has a cool history, you know, and it it is kind of a cultural touchstone in the South. Hellman's is just mayonnaise. Like, I used to eat it. I grew up up north. My last name is Helm. You know, I ate Hellman's, and it, it was fine. I've also eaten Whole Foods brand. I've eaten weird vegan stuff. Uh, and it was fine. And, uh, you know, I've even eaten Miracle Whip, and that's fine, too. Like, I'm not a big hater of Miracle Whip like a lot of people are. It's not always appropriate, but it is what it is. But I love Dukes more than any other. And that's just based on the flavor and the taste and, and the history and the sense of humor. And now this mascot, Tubby, which is so, he's so funny. Like, the things he does just make me laugh. And that's that. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm glad that that Hellman's has their following. It's kind of like sad funny when they try to scrap it up with the Dukes fans because Dukes has a big following. Uh, and then the final one uh, on, a, on a post where I was uh, encouraging people to get pumped. And uh, I, I may have said, if you're not pumped, you don't have a pulse. And somebody wrote, not pumped. But I do have a pulse. And I guess that's kind of funny, but um, get pumped. I, maybe you don't have a pulse. I mean, that you might want to go see your doctor. Well, I mean, it's it's okay. It's okay not to be pumped. I understand. It's just a mascot coming to our town for two hours to to just be here. And if you can't get pumped about that, I understand. And when people say things like, if you're not excited, you don't have a pulse, Try not to take that personally. Like, that's not a personal insult to you. That's just a saying. It's 
been around for a long, long time. And I didn't mean it as a personal attack on anybody with a pulse who isn't pumped about Tubby coming to our town. So I apologize to everybody that I just kind of dragged through the muck. But come on, y'all. Be a little more fun about this. Maybe the Hellman's person gets a pass because I because of the laughing till I'm crying emoji. But the rest of all y'all, especially GMO uh, person, you know, lighten up. It's it's just fun. And for everybody else who is excited, Tubby's going to do some yoga while he's in town. He's going to get a tattoo while he's in town, and he's going to meet and greet city council and get that key to the city, as I already mentioned. And I don't know what else we can do with Tubby while we've got him. He's ours for two hours, and we're going to do all we can with him. All right, people, let's take a little musical break, and we'll come back with more of the show. All righty, folks, one last bunch of food reviews before I let you go for the week. I want to talk about, first of all, my birthday meal. Uh, July 20th is my birthday, so I always celebrate with going out to dinner and having a steak. Like, that's what I want to do on my birthday is eat steak. And so Don and I kind of looked around here and there at the different steaks around town. And eventually I was like, you know what? I want to go to my favorite place full of my favorite people And it may not be the fanciest place in town, but I know they've got great steaks on the menu. Let's go to Twisted Laurel, Asheville. Now, last year, and I've mentioned this many times, last year I ate at 149 different restaurants, most of them right here in Asheville or Western North Carolina, a few in Detroit, a few in uh, Winter Park, Florida, where I traveled, but um, mostly right here in Western North Carolina. And I ate at Twisted Laurel 14 different times. And so In my heart, as well as by the mathematical numbers, Twisted Laurel is just my favorite restaurant. And they always have steak on the menu. We went, we sat in a lovely space upstairs. If you've never been in the upstairs, it's huge. And we sat in the corner and I I got a big old steak. And it was uh, done in an Oscar style, which means it had some lump crab, some uh, asparagus, and some hollandaise sauce on top of it. And boy, howdy, it was perfect. That was exactly what the doctor ordered. The The chef at Twisted Laurel, Chef Tom LaFauci, he's my friend. And he's also an amazing chef and an amazing saucier. He specializes in sauces. So the hollandaise was perfect. The lump crab was very satisfying. The steak was cooked just right. It was huge. And I ate exactly half of the steak, all of the asparagus and the Oscar, but I ate half of the steak brought it home, reheated it the next day, and it was delicious. So it hit every nail on the head. Do not sleep on Twisted Laurel downtown Asheville. I'm not sure that I can praise this place enough to get people in there because the one in Twisted Laurel has its own reputation, and people do like it. But keep in mind that the one in downtown is competitive with the restaurants of downtown Asheville, whereas the one in Weaverville is more suited for Weaverville. And that's no insult to Weaverville or the restaurant in Weaverville. It's just a fact that there's there's like 200 places to eat in downtown Asheville. And there's just not that many in Weaverville. So there's just different expectations and a different menu at Twisted Laurel. 
we, and Don, Don and I went together. My wife and I went together. She treated, of course. Uh, and um, we shared the appetizer of the meatballs, which is a really, really good appetizer. I can't stress enough how good it is. It's just three meatballs on a better whipped ricotta with tomato sauce on top. But the meatballs are amazing. And they're made with a grind of the three steaks that are on the menu, three to four steaks that are on the menu at any given time. The trim, they trim those to size for service, and then they grind the trim into meatballs and a special burger they do called the JC Burger, which was actually my Burger of the Year award. And Don got some pasta. It was a Capanelli. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. A, a Capanelli, I think. Or Canapelli. I'm not sure. Uh, now I forget, and I didn't write it down. Oh, my gosh. It was some twisty-looking pasta. And it had crawfish and crab and, like, a buttery, whiny, garlicky sauce. And she loved it. Like, she kept eating it and eating it, even though she was like, I'm going to take half of this home. And then it sat there, and she, then she's like, I'm just, I'm going to take a quarter of this home. And then there was nothing to take home by the end of it. So uh, it was that good. And we skipped dessert at Twisted Laurel because I really wanted to get the quintessential chocolate cake from the French Broad Chocolate Lounge and bring that home to eat with ice cream. And so we did that and we got salted caramel ice cream also from French Broad. And it was a perfect night in downtown Asheville. We drove in. We parked in a parking garage. We went to the restaurant. We, we went to the art museum first and we looked at there's there's an art exhibit about food in there right now. So go check it out. Some really famous pieces about food and some famous artists and some really nice work. And we went to the rooftop cafe at the art museum and I had a cup of coffee. Don had a Prosecco, I believe. And it was a little rainy out, but we stood under a ledge and on the roof and looked out over Asheville and it was gorgeous just a really nice night in downtown Asheville and Don and I had an amazing time a great meal at Twisted Laurel and a great piece of chocolate cake and some ice cream from French Broad Chocolate Lounge uh, next I want to talk about uh, barbecue because my nephew moved back to Asheville after being in Portland Oregon for a for about a year he decided he didn't like Portland he missed Asheville he missed his family that's nice to hear and he came back and he had his birthday just five days after mine. So I asked him where he wanted to go, what he wanted to eat. And he said he just wanted some good old-fashioned barbecue. So I took him out to Doc Brown's in West Asheville. And we got brisket and ribs and collard greens. And it was great. Doc Brown's brisket is so good. The ends are nice and crispy. The fat is nice and rendered. The flavor is on point. And in a sandwich, it's great, or just a plate, it's awesome. The collards have a have a nice sort of green flavor to them. I don't know, like green is a flavor, I guess. And they just taste kind of collardy. I don't know. They're not overwhelmed with sugar or vinegar or pork. That you can really taste the collard greens. And uh, everything was great. It was hotter than insert expletive right there. It was so hot. I don't know if the AC was broke, but inside was a sauna, and we went, we ate outside, which was hot, but we were in the shade. And so, hot, hot barbecue in the hot sun. It's a very North Carolina experience for my nephew. He, he did not like all the rain in Oregon, so he was happy to get here in the sun in Asheville. And we had a great 
culinary experience, a great down-home barbecue experience at Doc Brown's. I love the food at Doc Brown's, and I love David, the owner. So get on in and give their brisket a try, and their Memphis dry rub ribs are excellent. Finally, I want to mention, uh, oh, speaking of barbecue, I had an amazing barbecue brisket sandwich at Manicomio. So John Lebowitz still blowing my mind with his slow-cooked meats at Manicomio. He's introduced corned beef pastrami and brisket to his menu he does a wonderful philly cheesesteak as well or let's just call it a cheesesteak as well and um all of his slow cooked meats are awesome and he handed me a barbecue brisket sandwich last week i actually shared it with the folks at white duck uh which i was on a food tour so we went from manicomio to white duck and i brought the folks at white duck a Hey, brisket sand, quarter, like a, we cut it into quarters. I ate a quarter. Three of the other folks shared it. And everybody, me and the other three people, mine's blown. One of the people at White Duck was like, I'm going back there for dinner. And so, yeah, the barbecue sandwich at Manicomio is excellent. And finally, I just want to say I had a wonderful cookie at Penny Cup. Penny Cup bakes their own cookies in-house. It's kind of like an unknown secret almost that they make chocolate chip cookies and they bake them in-house. And when they run out, they bake some more in a tiny little oven that they have. And so you can go in and get fresh baked house-made cookies. And sometimes when you go in, you can smell them being baked throughout the day. So I went to the one on uh, on Market Street in the YMI building. I had a great iced cappuccino and a cookie, and it was great. It was a wonderful experience. All right. Well, that's it for the show. I want to thank you for listening and thank my special guest, Chef Andrea, for being on. And uh, thanks to all the restaurants for the food they cooked. Thanks to WPVM 103.7 FM, the voice of Asheville broadcasting to the world. I appreciate y'all for taking my humble podcast, turning it into a radio broadcast. And folks, if you eat something good, let me know about it. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.